0: Zenyatta is dead last, Zenyatta is last, Mike Smith trying to find somewhere to run. They're bunching up at the top of the lane now, though. Hainesfield, Esquire City's running a huge one as well. Looking at Lucky. Here comes looking at Lucky. Etch to there. there. Yata now hooking to the grandstand side. And Zenyatta is now coming with a run. Looking at Lucky. Blame. Blame on the inside. Blame gets the lead. Zenyatta on the outside looking at Lucky. Blame. Zenyatta. Zed Zenyatta is flying. Blame trying to hold on. Blame. How many of you saw that race? Wow, that's pretty close there, right? That's uh, when they talk about winning by a nose, that's about as close as you can get. Zenyatta was a six-year-old mare that had been up until that point 19-0. She had tied the record for the most consecutive all-time wins by a racehorse. But then she lost... The Breeders Classic, literally, by a nose, didn't you? You know, I remember hearing about the race that week before, and I I remember hearing people talk about how, how Zenyatta was probably, I should say Zenyatta was pre- pre- <laughs> probably, <laughs> they picked the right announcer for that, didn't they? <laughs> you can't say that name without saying it like he did she was possibly the best racehorse ever and how they were considering that really, I mean, they may as well just give the trophy and give the money out because she was virtually a lock to win that race. You know, to me, that's just another reminder that it's really hard to find anything in this life that's a sure thing, isn't it? And you know what? That's why God's word has a lot to say to us about being careful about what we give our lives to about being careful about what we're working so hard for, what we're focusing our attention on, what we're investing our lives in. So this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, because we started a short series last week, a two-part series, called Investing in Eternity. We want to think about, as God's people, I'm saying I'm a follower of Jesus. How about you? I want to go where Jesus is going. I want to do with my life what Jesus would have me do with my life. And last time we talked about the fact that we have to be very careful because uh, the power, the pull of money in our lives. And how we learned uh, from Revelation chapter 18 that money certainly isn't everything, is it? In fact, one day, all of that money is going to be worthless and, and as followers of Jesus we need to be aware of that and living that out in our own lives but we also need to be helping to share that with other people. Well this time I want us to look at one of the greatest sermons ever preached. It was preached by Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to look at the whole sermon but uh, the Sermon on the Mount is basically all of Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 6 through chapter 7. Today we're going to look at Matthew 6. And I want to look at what Jesus said in these verses, verses 19 through 21, and let God challenge us to consider this question. What am I investing my life in? And the first thing I notice in these verses is that he warns us about bad investments. Look at verse 19. Jesus says to us, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus gives us a command right here. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. This is what we're to to do, or actually what we're not to do as his followers. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty simple, isn't it? But, But what exactly is he talking about? Well, Jesus actually uses the word here. He actually uses it as a verb and he uses it as a noun that we get our word thesaurus from. He literally says, do not stockpile for yourself stockpiles here on this earth. Do not, you might translate it, collect for yourself large collections of things here on this earth. We might put it like this. Jesus says, don't make it your goal to have a a nice stash here on earth. Why is that? Why does Jesus warn us? that that is a bad investment. Well, we talked about it last time, so I'm not going to spend as much time on that today, but I do want to talk about it a little bit because last time we focused more on the very big picture. We talked about the fact that one day at the end of history, money will be worthless, okay? Now, that'd be a bad investment, wouldn't it? If you knew that something eventually was going to be worthless, wouldn't it be a bad investment to put all of your hope and your dreams in that thing? And so Jesus said, hey, I just want you to be aware. His words teach us. I want you to be aware one day that's going to be completely worthless. Here, though, I think what Jesus is bringing out is an even shorter term problem with the things of this world. It's not just, it is true that at the end of history, those things are going to be worthless. But it's not just at the end of history. He actually says we need to realize there's a shorter term problem as well. Long before the end of history, the things of this world, if you invest in them, are going to let you down. Jesus says it's all very temporary. He describes it that way by saying, hey, listen, the things of this world can deteriorate, can't they? They can fall apart. He uses the, the, the imagery here. He says, he says, don't invest your life in things that moths can destroy. Don't invest your life in things that rust can decay. I mean, one of the worst things about living in the North Country is my car, it, just as we're sitting here, is rusting, isn't it? And there is nothing. I try my best. I keep it washed out because we drive our cars for like 25 years. You know? uh-huh. I, keep, I keep it washed out. I keep it underneath, but I still cannot stop it. Eventually, what's going to happen? It is going to fall apart. Or, or maybe a thief can come in. I mean, I can take care of my stuff. I can, keep, I can keep my van and my truck washed out. I can pull them into the garage, keep them out of the weather. And somebody can break into my garage, hot wire it, and drive it off. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing all of that work, but it falls apart. God says, don't put your energy in things, in having a bunch of things that are not going to last, that are going to break, or you're going to lose. And yet the reality is that most of the world is working very hard to get our share of that stuff, aren't we? That's what most of us in the world are doing. We are working very hard to get our share of the stash of the stuff of this world. And I guess the question for us as followers of Christ is, have we fallen into that trap? Or maybe you're just starting your walk with God. And maybe that's, that was your perspective, that was your viewpoint, and now that you've come to Christ, God is challenging you that that should not be the priority of your life anymore. God's wanting to change that and to give you a different perspective. Jesus says, listen, I'm warning everybody, it's a wasted effort, it's a very bad investment of your time, your energy, and your money. In fact, I would almost say that it's worse than gambling. If you think about gambling, gambling is an extremely low percentage chance on winning it big you know what jesus says there's no chance (laughs) this is not even gambling this is uh, he's saying i guarantee you this is not going to work out for you are we listening to the lord today he warns us about bad investments but he also challenges us to make some good investments You know, the problem I have with verse 19 and just being honest with the Lord, you know, when I first read that, here's how I struggle with what I read in verse 19. Lord, I don't quite understand what you're saying about about these investments and about being careful about these bad investments because there seems to be something in my heart, and I think I see this in, in pretty much everyone. Doesn't there seem to be something in us that says something about planning or something about investing or something about building things or or or, or growing things and and there's even some people that are especially talented at doing those things aren't they have you ever noticed some people they just seem like they have that Midas touch that golden touch they just have the ability to see things and to develop things they're good business people all that kind of stuff God are you saying that if if I begin to follow Jesus that I should just go lame and passive and I should no longer have that heart to invest and build things is that what God's saying now, when you begin to look at verse 20 and the rest of God's word, you begin to understand that, listen, let's turn this around. Not only is investing not wrong, God actually commands us to do it. It's wrong not to invest. God expects us to use the things he's given us and to invest them. In. Look at verse 20. He says, I'm not saying to you, don't invest. I'm not saying to you, don't build wealth. I'm not saying to you, uh, don't work hard. It's not that that is wrong. He's saying it's what it is that you're building. You understand? He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. So that means we're not supposed to store up? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you should not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. But you can in fact, he commands us, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and seal. There's another passage in God's word. If you write down Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30, you may have heard of it. It's called the parable of the talents. In that passage, Jesus makes it clear. Listen, this is very important. Sometimes uh, as we're reading the Bible, we just, we just focus on the negatives. Okay, God says you can't do this. God says you can't do that. We kind of see God as a big no. Okay, that's what he's all about. He's all about big no. All right. But that's not what God's about. When God takes something away, it's not just that he says, oh, I'm going to take something good away, but I'll make it better. No, what he's saying is I'm taking that counterfeit away because I had something all along that I wanted to do that that was getting in the way of. In this passage and in Matthew 25, we begin to understand that just avoiding bad investments. Listen, this is very important because some of you are going to hang on to that. Oh, good. I'll just try to keep safe what God's given me. That's not it either. Just avoiding bad investments and trying not to waste what God has given you. And one day just handing it back to him, just like you found it. That's not what God expects either. Are you hearing me? Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter 25, he, he gets on to a guy. He says, apparently you didn't know my heart because there's a guy that he gave some stuff to and the guy just kind of dug a hole in the ground and kept it safe. And then when Jesus came back, he said, here, I've, I've got that stuff you gave me. And he got in trouble because Jesus said, apparently you didn't understand my heart. My heart is not just to give you stuff. You hang on to it. And then one day you give it back to me just like you found it. Well, I could have done that, right? I gave you my stuff because I want you to invest it. God's not against investing. He just wants to make sure we're investing wisely. We are, friends, listen, I hope this gets your heart beating. You know, just kind of pumping on. We are to stockpile. We are to build up a treasure chest. We are to be filling it up. But we're to fill it with things that are of eternal and lasting value you know in this room there are some ambitious highly motivated driven entrepreneurs and if you just take the first part if you just take uh verse 19 and and didn't understand what we're talking about here you might just say oh you know i guess just as christians we're supposed to be lame and passive and inactive and and not do anything no to the contrary you are to use friends listen If you've got a drive in your heart, if you've got a passion in your heart, if you've got ability and knowledge and expertise and and you're good at goal setting and, and you're all about excellence and doing things well, the Bible says we are to work hard. We are to plant. We are to water. We are to build things, to grow things. Isn't that in our hearts? Don't we know that? We're supposed to be going somewhere, amen? We're supposed to be producing something, developing something. That's one of the great parts of of America. I think it's backed by that idea of a God-driven work ethic. We are supposed to produce. We are supposed to do things. Just not in the way that the world usually does it. We're to find ways to make God's forever work happen in people's lives and grow and develop that. As somebody said, we're to pay it forward. Or I like this idea. We're to make deposits in heaven isn't that a cool idea that hit me this week making deposits in heaven and i want us to all think about this question i mean this is i know this is a toughie all right but i think we need to struggle with this a little bit what are you investing your life in right now that is making deposits in heaven wow isn't that a big statement I mean, when I think about my life, what is it that I'm doing right now that is, that is I'm actually making a deposit in heaven for? Or let's think about it this way. How are you using things that are valuable in this current world but will one day be drained of their value? How are you using those things now while they're valuable to build things that will be valuable for all eternity? Think about that. God turns this thing on its head, doesn't it? He says, okay, be careful, be careful. The things of this world don't get totally bought in. Don't get totally committed to the things of this world, okay? Because if you do, at the end of the day, you're going to be left empty. All right, we understand that. But he doesn't say don't use them. Oh, no, to the contrary, use them to the max while they have value. Amen? Just don't don't be attached to them. Be ready, because when they lose their value, you want to have something still left. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 16, verse 9, I believe. He says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it fails, isn't that what we've been talking about? So that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. Now, this is actually kind of a difficult passage to translate from Greek to to English. And it's kind of the wording is a little bit difficult. But I think this is part of what Jesus is saying. Be smart with the things of this world so that when they are no longer of any value one day, you'll have used them to accomplish something that is. I said earlier, wouldn't it be very foolish to invest in something that one day is going to be worthless? unless you knew that it was going to be worthless one day and you knew it was going to be valuable for a little while and so you invested in it on a short term so you could grow in some other directions and then when you could get out of it you still had your stuff left when it became worthless now that's pretty smart investing isn't it that's kind of sounding like insider information isn't it isn't that what God's given us and it's not legal in this case God's giving us insider information. How am I using the resources God has given me, the time, the talents, the treasures, to change other people's lives? And I don't think the Lord's saying, okay, you have your stuff, you have your money, you have your resources, and, and you give some to God, maybe you should consider giving some more. That's the way many people interpret Those kind of messages that, okay, I have some things, I've been giving some to God, maybe I should give some more. Actually, if you interpret it that way, you're letting yourself off easier than God wants to let you off. Here's what I believe the Lord's saying to us. All of my resources are to be used for the glory of God. Did you hear that? That's a different perspective, isn't it? It's not, I have some things and I'm going to let God use some things and maybe because I feel like maybe I should, I'm going to give him some more of my things. No, all of my resources. I need to ask myself, is all that I've been given by God to me, is that be you, it being used in some way for his glory? You're working hard. You're providing for your family. You're taking care of their needs. That's pleasing to God, isn't it? Providing for your family. He says in 1 Timothy 8, if you don't, 5 verse 8, if you don't do that, man, you're starting to look worse than an unbeliever. Okay, so that's investing. That's building God's kingdom. And beyond that, Are you seeking to use what he's given you to grow his work in every way you possibly can? Are you making wise investments? Are you investing in eternity? So we have these two challenges from the Lord. He says to us, don't make bad investments. Learn to make those wise investments. But he adds one more thing. He tells us that the choice that we make about our investments reveals something about our heart. Jesus says in uh, verse 21 of that passage, he says, For where your stockpile is, where your treasure is, where your collection is being made, that's where your heart is also. I don't know if that hits you like it did me this week. I mean, actually, I'm still thinking about that. Where is my collection? Where is my stash? Where am I seeking to pile up a lot of stuff? That challenges me. How about you? Because the Bible says my heart is going to be where the wealth or the kingdom is that I'm working hard to build. Many of us, I believe, would wholeheartedly say, and I believe with the best of intentions, I love the Lord. He's my Savior. He's the Lord of my life. But if we really got to thinking about it, we sure are building our own kingdom more than his. And here's what I think he would say to us. Robbie, you're kidding yourself. You're feeling good about yourself. If you're thinking, I can do my thing and I can do Jesus' thing and it'll work out nice, we'll both be happy. That is not... I mean, that is idol worship because you're making up a different view of God than Jesus says in his word. Matthew chapter 5, just a few verses, or chapter 6, just a few verses down, Jesus says, listen, nobody can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, it is impossible to serve God and wealth. What he's basically saying is it is impossible to walk the line. to to straddle the fence. It is impossible to try to do my thing and to develop, well, I've got some things I'd like to do and some desires I have and some, you know, and, and wait just a minute. We're not saying when you come to God, you lose all of your passions and desires. You know, there's something cool about when you walk with God, he gets your desires in line with his desires and he blesses you and he works in your life in a very personal way. So it's not an impersonal thing to walk with God as if he takes away all the fun out of your life. But it is no longer, if I'm walking with Jesus, it is no longer the goal of my life to develop my thing. That's the thing. My thing now is lived in light of His thing. Does that make sense? It's physically, it's, it's impossible. You cannot serve God and try to serve the things of this world. And I don't mean to be over dramatic. but if your heart, is over on serving you more often than not, something's way off kilter. And actually, and again, I don't mean to be overdramatic, there's either something very off that needs to be corrected by God, or you have to check the reality of whether you've really given your life to Him. Because if you are following your way more than you're following His way, can you call yourself a follower of Christ? I think the Lord wants to challenge us with that. See, we said at the beginning of this short series how important our approach to the things of this world is to our relationship with God. According to Jesus in this passage, that mindset, our approach to how we deal with those things in this world is somewhat of an indicator of whether we're truly following him or not. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I want to ask you to think about it. Just evaluate your heart. This is between you and God. And me and God. Well, let's think about two approaches. Which one sounds more like Jesus and which one sounds more like me? One is, I have some things and I'm going to let God use some of them. The other is, all I have is from God and I want to use them as much as I possibly can for His glory. Friends, I want to challenge you. As American Christians, we are very prone to take that first one and feel good about ourselves. I have some things, and I'm going to let God have some. of that. that sounds commendable, doesn't it? I don't know anybody else that's even thinking about it, right? So we congratulate ourselves, and we say, I'm doing good. Well, in a sense, that may be progress. If you've been totally selfish, that is progress, right? But that's not God's ultimate goal for you. God's ultimate goal is to get you to the place of saying, all that I have is his, and I just want to pump it out as much as I can for God to get some applause one day. That is the ultimate goal. Many times we're comparing ourselves with other people, and we're not comparing ourselves with the Lord and his word. If I compare with other people, eventually I can find somebody that I look better than. Amen? Amen eventually I can look at you and I can say, well, man, you're just not getting it. At least I'm doing better than you are. Don't we do that? You laugh at me and look like I'm unspiritual for saying that, but don't we do that? If I compare with you, at some point I can feel good about myself, but when I compare with the Lord, I say, well, I got a long ways to go, amen? In his book, Generous Living, the financial expert Ron Blue says this. He says, about 15 years ago, a study was done by a well-known university here in the Northeast. And it said that uh, the World War II generation, which was very much a savings-oriented generation, that generation was beginning to come down to the end of its life. And now they were passing on their wealth to their baby boomer children. And that's still continuing to this day. And they estimated that anywhere from 8 to $14 trillion of wealth was going to be transferred between those generations. But it was expected that most of that accumulated wealth was going to be spent on accumulated debt, so purchases that had already been made more <laughs> than they could afford, or on vanity purchases like cars or trips or cosmetic surgery. Now, it's not necessarily wrong to buy a car or go on a trip or enjoy. You know, your parents have worked hard, and they want to bless you with those kind of things. But, but it's not that what we want to think about is this. How much good could be done in people's lives if even a fraction of that was used with the intention of God being glorified? He also said this. In one particular year that he researched, Americans spent one billion dollars on sunglasses. On sunglasses? hard for me to imagine how those ten dollar sunglasses at walmart build up to you know one billion dollars <laughs> those are the ones i bought I about you he said that over half a billion was spent on golf balls <laughs> and i'm not trying to pick on people who play golf these that's what he picked for you know this, for the uh for the study here so we spent a billion dollars on sunglasses over half a billion on golf balls 12 billion on weight loss and 79 billion on fast food. Now I'm kind of thinking on the fast food thing, if you deducted the 12 billion that we ate out of that 79, you probably wouldn't have had to spend so much on weight loss, right? <clears throat> that same year our country spent two billion on international missions. Now that's a lot of money. But I mean, when you say, okay, as Americans, I mean, we're just getting objective here. We're just putting it on paper. One day, is God going to show us on paper what, you know, we kind of excused ourselves in our head, but on paper, I mean, when you look at the checkbook, the numbers say it, don't they? Okay, so what God's saying is, as a collective nation, if you look at our checkbook, we spend the same amount on sunglasses and golf balls. Nearly the same amount as we spend on getting the good news out to the rest of the world. Wow. I mean, I don't know about you, but like sunglasses aren't like on my like priority list this week. I mean, I just I buy them if I need them, but they're not like, you know, I'm budgeting for sunglasses. Right. They're not like a priority. They're not like a high value. So what does that tell us? Is getting God's good news out to the rest of the world really a priority for us? I know that's uncomfortable, but it's true, isn't it? Many people say, well, if the Lord blesses me with more money, I'm definitely going to give more away. Honestly, I don't mean to be ugly, but that's doubtful. The study that Mr. Blue did shows that on the average, poorer people give more money, percentage-wise, of their income than wealthy people. You know how much more? Two times more. Percentage-wise, people with less money give twice as much as people with a lot of money. Again, don't get bogged down into details and specifics. What we're talking about is God just searching your heart, okay? We're not talking about amounts. We're not talking about comparing with anybody. We're just talking about looking at the facts and saying, God, okay, this is the culture I live in. And maybe you could say today, thank God, we're not getting caught up in that. Praise the Lord. God, help us to continue to stay on track. But I think most of us would have to say, I live in the most materialistic culture ever. Guys, it is. I mean, and some of that, thank God for the blessings. Amen? Thank God for the hard work ethic and all the the energy that's been put in the ingenuity. Thank God for the United States. But we just need to realize, we don't even know. I was here last night. I, I, this is a little bit over the top it 's just one of those little things that just I notice at night when teeth are being brushed. I hear it sounds like a fire hydrant in the bathroom. Psh, psh, water's poured out. 'm like, how many teeth can that water cover I mean it's just like flowing. I admit I have a sensitivity to that, okay because i've been to Kenya. i can't stand to see water wasted. I mean, that's just, because of a personal experience I've had, that's just one thing that I noticed. But the only reason I mention that is not so you go home and get on to your kids about wasting their water. I'm sure I waste something else that my kids don't waste, okay? But I'm just giving you an example of how we have to go beyond our culture and notice that some things that we take as bottom dollars in the United States as Americans maybe aren't necessarily bottom dollars, there are ladies in Kenya who walk miles with a bucket on their head for water for that day. We just just, just go and get you some water, right? What's the big deal? You see what I'm talking about? God, help us. If we live in the midst of such a materialistic, challenged culture, help us to step back and say, God... Instead of getting defensive or instead of bowing up or instead of you know, challenging God on this, just saying, God, this area is one of the most important places in my life that I'm going to be challenged on. Would you search my heart? And would you just check and see, am I honoring you? I believe God's calling many of us as Christians to hear his voice and to change the culture. Amen? Why don't we start a new way? Why don't we think a little differently? And there's a lot of things we can do. We have uh, <clears throat> a ministry we do called Crown, where you can learn some very specific ways of budgeting and of, and of being very intentional and prioritizing. And You know what? For some of us, we've just never been taught frugality, have we? We've just been taught. It's just automatic. You have this and this. We've had people actually call the church asking for help, financial help. And while I was on the phone, I heard SportsCenter in the background, and they said, hold on just a second, I got a beep. And I'm just thinking, well, there's two ways. But now, now we want to tend to kind of look down on a person like that, but you know what? Many people have just never been taught, right? It's just the bottom dollar. If you live in the United States, who doesn't have cable? That's like breathing. You know, who doesn't have call waiting? I mean, that's just like, you know, that's, that'd be like living on another planet if you didn't have call waiting. Who says? You understand what I'm saying? That's not all going to be settled in one message, but would you just come to the Lord today and say, God, is it possible that I'm missing some of what you're wanting to do in and through my life? And would you speak to me this morning? I want to challenge you today if you've never given your life to Christ. You know what? For many people who've never trusted in Christ, hearing messages about finances They can go one of two ways. Many times people will sort of bow up to that. You know what? There was a guy in the Bible. There's there's an example in the Bible of two men who God challenged to trust in him. In Luke chapter 18, there's a guy we don't even know his name. We call him the rich young ruler. God challenged him related to his finances, and the guy thought about it, and he said, You know what? Jesus, I'm all for you, but I can't go there. And he turned around, and as far as we know, he is spending eternity away from God. Not because he was rich, but because he could not turn his life completely over to Jesus Christ. And the thing that got in his way the most was his money. And now where's his money? It's gone. There's another guy in Luke chapter 19, a guy we know his name. The kids sing about him. What's his name? He's a wee little man. A wee little man was he? He wasn't that small. (laughs) He is is in the books. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a crook. And Jesus got a hold of his heart. And he, Jesus didn't even have to tell him what to do. He voluntarily paid back his debts. I think it was four times what he owed people and decided to commit the rest of it to God's service, whatever was left. Isn't that awesome? That's what we're talking about today. Has God got a hold of your life? Would you be willing to trust him above anything and everything else in this world? Friends, I want to share something with you. Last week at this time, there was a lady who was living in this world. And just the night before, she had given her life to Jesus Christ. Precious, so precious, sweet lady. And then in just a few days, she was standing before God, giving an account for her life. And she was able to say, Jesus, I'm so grateful I trusted you. Today, I cannot promise you you're going to be here next week. I'm not trying to scare you in anything, but maybe we should be a little thoughtful of the brevity of life. Amen? Yeah. Today, do you know if that was your experience and you didn't make it till next week, do you know without a doubt that you have received God's gift and offer and you've turned your life over? Not that you're perfect, not that everything in your life just exactly under God's will. That's why we need a Savior. Amen? Because we are sinners. But would you trust him and invite him to come into your life and to forgive you? And would you say, God, I don't know how to live, but if you'll show me, I'll follow you. You can do that right now, just like she did. Let's bow before the Lord for just a moment, okay? Heavenly Father, we know that you spoke a lot about possessions and things and the stuff of this world. And we, we, we understand that the reason must have been because of the, the challenge that it is for us to trust you over those things. You know our point of weakness, God. You know that, Lord, it's easier for us, for us to trust things that we can see instead of you who we can't yet see. Lord, you know that we struggle with selfishness and wanting to build our own kingdom. It's hard for us to submit to yours. But I pray today, Jesus, that those who are here who've surrendered their life to you, Lord, that you would just help them to take a step further. And, Lord, whatever it is you're calling them to do, however you're speaking to them about priorities or values or, or stewardship, uh, what the things you've entrusted them with, their time, the resources, whatever, Lord, it might be today, their influence in the lives of other people. God, speak to us and help us to repent and to, and to follow you now more closely. And Lord, I pray if there is somebody here today that does not know 100% certainty that their sins have been forgiven, that they are in right standing with you, not based on what they've done, but based on your gift, your offer of salvation, I pray that right now, that person would just call out to you and say, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry for my sins. I want to change. God, I don't know how to live, but I want to trust you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and to teach me how to live the life you created me to live. I thank you, God, that one day I can spend forever with you in a place called heaven. Or help someone to make that most important of decisions today. And God, if you would just use this challenge to help them with that, we'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close out the service this morning, uh, for our guests, just to let you know, at the end of our service, we have a time where we invite people to think about, to respond to whatever it is. It's a response time, an invitation time. Who knows when God will have your attention again? Maybe this is a point, an issue in your life that God is trying to raise to the surface. And that's why he brought you here today. You know what? It never amazes me. It never ceases to amaze me how God can use a message about finances and resources and speak to you about something totally different. Maybe it's something totally different today. God's speaking to your heart, but you need to deal with. We're going to give you a chance, an opportunity. As we sing this song here in just a minute, you can talk to God. Or if you need to talk with somebody on a weekly basis, people are coming for prayer. Or to receive Christ as her savior or to make some kind of decision someone came last week during the 11 o'clock service one of our young ladies saying that God's called her to go on a mission trip I believe it's Guatemala that uh Natalie Hidock is going on maybe maybe God's calling you to serve him in some way like that now's a great time to say God I hear you and I'm responding whether that's sharing with someone else or between you and God let's do that right now